The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. CJ Stroud had his pro day yesterday on Wednesday. Here he is talking with some of the Panthers representatives. You can overhear Josh McCown offering to play some horse when they get together in Charlotte. Uh, he, Not when he's drafted. He'll be visiting. Yeah, you better be careful about that. I know the oh. McCowns can play some hoops, so you better have a good jump shot. That's for sure. You see, did you see who was there? Who who went in for the hug? The boss was there. David Tepper's there. It's dangerous. It's dangerous ground. Scott Fitterer. And Frank Reich, you get the owner too involved in the evaluation of the quarterback. You better be sure. You better be sure you're staying a step ahead of where the boss is leaning. And if you think the boss may end up liking a guy that you may want to shy away from, you better watch everything you say about the guy that the boss may fall in love with. You better tell everybody in the organization, don't say any good things about the guy that the boss may be wanting us to draft because we're leaning another way. So let's let's control where the boss is going. Hey, that's a real dynamic. We know it's happened before, and uh, the the more that the boss is there, I mean, why would the owner be at a pro day workout? What does David Tepper know about evaluating a quarterback? Why would he be there? Hey, he's allowed to be there. He's the owner. He is. That's right. But that that's where it becomes that's where it becomes delicate. Yeah, managing sure. what the boss will just casually say. I really like the kid from Ohio State. I really like the kid from Alabama. I really like. Oh, hey, I saw Chris Sims say Anthony Richardson has superstar potential. Don't we really need a superstar here? You just got to be careful when the guy who writes the checks and holds the equity is the one who is involved and throwing that stuff out there. Yeah, no, no question. I, you know, but I, I love that he is there. I do. I don't look at it as bad. You know, and I haven't heard any stories of him crossing the line of like, whoa, crazy owner yet. He obviously loves it. He wants to be a part of the process. Hopefully he's learning. He's hearing these guys talk about the differences of all of it. It's a huge – it's the, the biggest decision, you know, they've had since David Tepper's been the owner, let alone they made the biggest move to get here 
you know, that that that, that in the David Tepper era to trade up from nine to one. So okay, that's cool. He's there. He's going to watch in person. What a great opportunity they have. I mean, the fact that they get to go C.J. Stroud yesterday, jump on the private plane, and see Bryce Young less than 24 hours later, why the thought of C.J. Stroud and seeing him live and in color is still fresh in your brain, and now you get to go, wait, here's the other guy that we're thinking about taking at number one. Because I really, at the end of the day, it's going to be Stroud or Bryce Young. I'm sure they're going to keep it open with all four of these guys. But, man, every, anybody else is risky and I think almost political suicide, career suicide, if it doesn't work out with the other guys. But that's a great opportunity. And then Levis the day after that, tomorrow. So they're going to get to see three of the top four quarterbacks here in most people's rankings and get to see them back to back to back and really measure them out and get a better feel for what they like and who impressed physically at this pro day. We've become completely desensitized to it, but I want to make this point yeah. because it is, and it's one of the things that fascinates me about the NFL. You have highly successful people like David Tepper who have earned billions of dollars. Everything he has ever touched in his life has literally turned to gold. The guy is worth $17 billion and counting at any given moment. So, these, and, and they, why, do, why do they buy a football team? Because they're football fans. It's not, it's not, now it's, it is a hell of an investment. It's a constantly appreciating asset, but a lot of these guys get involved in owning sports teams because they're football fans. So I've been highly successful at everything I've ever done in my life. I'm smart. I know what I'm doing and I watch football. I've been watching football my whole life. I think I know how the game works. It looks easy. I play fantasy football. So I buy a football team and I start showing up at pro day workouts and I start walking into the draft room and I start giving input to the people who have spent their whole lives while I was making all my money in something completely different than football. These are the people who have spent their lives perfecting their craft and an example I thought of and, and th- th- how would we react to the idea that a guy like David Tepper makes billions in something completely unrelated to the movies. But, hey, I've been going to movies my whole life. I like movies. I enjoy watching movies. I'm going to buy a movie studio, and I'm going to start showing up on set telling the director how to direct the movie and the editors how to edit the movie and just being around offering input and advice. It's just it doesn't make sense, but it happens all the time in the NFL. And, it, and I love it. It creates additional intrigue and drama and how far does the owner go and what do you have to say to tiptoe around him. So Tepper clearly is involved. He understands the stakes here. The, the sweet spot is finding the balance to support your guys. That's right. But still let the ones who are the experts make the final right. decision. Yeah. Uninfluenced by your own personal beliefs. Right, right. And that's the sense I've gotten, you know, even just, you know, talking to people who have been around Carolina a little bit is that, yeah, he'll throw his thoughts out there, but it's not like he throws it out there and is like, nope, this is what we're doing. I'm the owner. You can talk to him and logically explain yeah, things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no, I hear you. Listen, I know. I know a few billionaires in my life. You don't have to say that if you're the owner. No, I know. Yeah, you don't. That's one of the – it's the billionaire's privilege. You don't have to say go do it. You just make it clear by the things you say you like and the things you say you don't like. The questions you raise. Every question you raise has a message in it. And the smart people around you, if they truly are smart – will get the message. There's a subtlety and a nuance that billionaires operate with. Not that I can relate to I don't know if it's that subtle. I think, I think they kind of just you say get, it. And you, you gotta get used get, to yeah. being in that world. Yeah. 
you get you. you get used to everybody catering. The example I always use, it's in Playmakers. If the owner of an NFL team, multi-billionaire, walks through the front door, where, whatever facility he or she owns, and there's a bowl of candy, and it never it's it's the Steinbrenner Stromboli from Costanza in Seinfeld when he Costanza's got a Stromboli. Well, bring bring Costanza, bring Steinbrenner a Stromboli every freaking day. So that that when the boss says he likes something, you better be paying attention and cater everything you do to what the boss likes. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. And we may never get the full story, but it's just something to keep an eye on because at some point you got to let the people you've hired make this call, even if it goes against what you would do if you were the one making the call. And you got to edit yourself so you don't say something around Frank Reich or or Scott Fitter that makes them think that's what you want them to do. Yeah. Because if it all blows up, it's easy to say, hey, boss, this is what you wanted us to do. It gives you cover. Some some coaches and executives may like it. Hey, why did it go sideways? Well, you wanted us to do it. The problem is you're still the one that pays. Yeah, you're going to get fired. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. They said Jimmy Haslam found a way to blame Johnny Manziel on somebody else, even though it was Jimmy Haslam all the time wanting Johnny Manziel. And if Jerry Jones had gotten Johnny Manziel like he wanted him, he would have blamed somebody else if it had all blown up. All right, C.J. Stroud, much better, hopefully, than Johnny Manziel. Um, I don't know if you saw any of the throwing session. We yes. saw enough of it from the scouting combine, though. I doubt I doubt the pro day is going to be any different when you're in a more favorable setting. There's that release, yeah, that quick release. And, and it helps to have some great receivers running the routes, including Marvin Harrison Jr., who's not eligible yet for the draft, and will, will be one of the top guys we're talking about next year. But Stroud looking pretty good, Chris. Stroud is it's, – it's effortless. I mean, it, it really is. And, you know, what was cool about this setting as compared to the combine is – you know, and that was probably his worst ball of the day right there. It's one of the only balls he threw that wasn't a perfect spiral. But, you know, where this is cool compared to the combine is he gets to get in a little rhythm and you get to throw a variety of routes to where you start to feel yourself and, like, go, let's go, instead of the combine where it's just like, hey, I threw two balls, now I go to the back of the line and I wait for, you know, ten minutes before I throw my next football. But what I – I mean, again, the guy's a machine throwing the football. I think that's why you got to like him. You know, and you could see there the athleticism, the footwork. It's it's all like it's much better than he's given credit for. And when you really dive into the tape, you realize, whoa, the guy's a good athlete. He is. He just hasn't, you know, gotten to that part of his development yet. A little bit like we talk about with quarterbacks in the NFL. Hey, get out of the pocket, run here, play a little backyard football. He's got it there. He does it. It's an area that he could get better at, sure. And that's also why I like him because I think there's a little untapped potential there. But, man, mechanically he's perfect. The release is extremely quick, and it actually looks like it's getting quicker as he starts to learn and work with quarterback coaches more and more. And then, Mike, I think the thing that just jumps out to me is how effortless it is to throw 40-yard post corner, 20-yard out route. You know, he can just do it. It's, you know, like a Tom Brady can to where you go, it doesn't look like he's really trying that hard. But then when you're there in person and you go, man, is that ball moving. So – that's where I really like him. He's not a high-effort thrower. He's smooth, and uh, I really think this kid's got it all, and I will, like I said, be shocked if he's not the number one pick. What? what? And we talked about this the other day when we went over your rankings, but yeah. it's appropriate to raise it again. Biggest concern, question mark, whatever it is that he would need to address that could potentially cause him to not be the first overall pick. When he's when he's hanging out in Carolina, yeah. when he goes there for his visit, and he's playing horse with Josh McCown, what, what is the thing that they want to erase 
that could potentially be a negative. I don't think there's anything where you go, ooh, this is a real negative, right? He's a, like an unbelievable decision maker. I mean, unbelievable. Sees the field like to point where you, you rewind plays and you go, man, how did he see that that quickly to adjust to go to one to two and throw a ball appropriately over a linebacker and underneath the safety and put right there and just make the decision like he didn't even think about it. I think the thing is just expanding what he can do, Mike. You know, that's the big thing. And I think that goes back again to the conversation. The only negative I could come away with is, hey, you know, get out of the pocket here. The hell with the number three read. Make a move, get out, run, get out of the pocket, buy some more time so you can make a throw. There's some of that you want more that's so relevant and necessary in the 2023 NFL that's where there's a an untapped potential. But like to me, that's a it's a pretty easy fix. If that's all the things we gotta worry about, that's one where as he continues to play and Frank Reich and McCown and people give him things to think about and little, you know, thought process like you saw Brian Dayball do for a Daniel Jones this year. I just think that's where this guy could could be a really, really special football player when he puts all that together. But but don't we like – I mean, I know that he wants to use his athleticism no, more, and I know that we the, best do. the best quarterbacks right now use it. But isn't it good yes. that he's wired right. to not do it? Yes. Uh, you're, you're Already wired? He doesn't have to make the transition no. late in his 20s. That's, he's already wired that way. That's what I'm uh, – he's, he's, yeah, that's what I mean. The, the part we're talking about is an easy fix, and he's got all the things you really, really want, you know. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's never going to be the guy that's just going to, you know, run around the edge for 40 yards and do that. That's not what he is. No, that's why you're you're you want him because you're going, "Oh my gosh, every throw is high level. Every throw is accurate and on point." You know, whoa, he can get the ball out quickly. He can throw off his back leg with pressure in his face. You know, he he's got touch. He can flick it, you know, and just get it out of his hand and throw the ball 50 yards. So you're exactly right. He's got all the hard parts and not does more than checks the box. I mean, it's like, whoa, A-plus in this department, A-plus in this department. So that's where I don't look at him and go, ooh, there's a negative here or anything like that. You know, people too, Mike, they bring up the oh, Ohio State quarterback. I'd never draft one. You know, what does quarterbacks drafted from Ohio State 20 years ago have to do with this guy right here with this team? has nothing to do with it. I would never draft a quarterback from Texas Tech. Never. Oh, wait, it's Patrick Mahomes? I'll draft him every year. I mean, come on. You know, don't fall into these narratives that people are talking about. Oh, people are wide open. That's the other thing I hear. Okay, yeah, there's some open people, but damn, they throw the ball almost every play. He throws the ball into plenty tight coverages. Watch the Michigan game. Watch the Penn State game. Watch the Georgia game. I mean, these are some of the best teams in college football. You think people were wide open in those games? Absolutely not. So, you know, there's some narratives out there that are just lazy, in my opinion, a little. But, damn, Mike, you said it right. He's got everything you want as far as if you want a pocket passing, great decision-making, pinpoint power thrower. Damn, that's C.J. Stroud. And if we are looking to support the idea of drafting a quarterback from Ohio State in C.J. Stroud, there is one quarterback from Ohio State that would be at the top of the list. The only problem is he had to transfer before he got a chance to play. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. He's a quarterback from Ohio State that worked out pretty well. All right, let's take a break. How many teams in the top 10 are, are not just top 10? 
round one. Yeah. How many teams in round one are desperate to draft a quarterback, but you probably better be in the top ten to get one. We'll, we'll assess that on a scale of one to ten next here on PFT Live. All right, there is the draft order for 2023. And we are indeed focusing on the top 10 here for this scale of 1 to 10. Teams in the top 10. Yeah. How desperate are they to draft a quarterback? We, we know the Panthers and the Texans. We, we, don't, we don't need to focus on them. Let's ten go farther down ten. the list. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 10 and 10. 11 and 11. <laughs> uh, 11 and 12. Let's go to four, the Colts. They have added Gardner Minshew. On a one-year deal right. worth $3.5 million base, somebody was pushing the idea that, oh, they wouldn't want Lamar Jackson. They have Gardner Minshew. No, Gardner Minshew's the backup. They need a starter. So it's either going to be draft the guy at number four, or if that doesn't work, if the guy you want isn't there, if somebody trades up with the Cardinals and they go quarterback, 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 and those are the three guys you liked – and you, you go in a different direction, that's when Lamar Jackson becomes relevant. Either way, it's not going to be Gardner Minshew unless the whole plan falls apart. Right. How desperate should the Colts be, though, on a scale of 1 to 10? Should, should, they, should they be less than 10 because the Lamar Jackson option is potentially available, Chris? Well, I, I mean, either way, the quarterback, it's a huge positional need. I mean, Gardner Minshew, top-tier backup quarterback, right? You know, I, I, bridge quarterback, maybe. Okay. But I don't even know if he's that. I think it's more just top tier quarterback, you know, a, a top tier backup quarterback. The, the Colts, I mean, on a one to 10 scale. Yeah. With the way it looks right now, damn, I, I don't know. I feel like you got to put them almost, you got to put them in a 10. They need a quarterback period. I don't care if it's Lamar Jackson or the number four pick, or maybe if, you know, this is where the Colts thing's interesting, Mike. Let's unpack this a little bit. You know, one is, what do they want to do on offense, right? Shane Steichen, new head coach, came from Philadelphia, right? We know he can run that type of offense. And, whoa, there's Anthony Richardson. You could take it number four. Yeah, he's raw, and he's got some things we got to work on. But I know if we pull Quentin Nelson and he's running behind him, watch out. And then I know that defenses are going to be so worried about that that it's going to be great, favorable pass looks and he can develop and get better in that department. Does Shane Steichen want to do that? Shane Steichen before Philadelphia was more of a traditional, you know, creative down the field drop back passing coordinator with what he did with Justin Herbert his rookie year. It's what they tried to do in Philly. It's why they were involved in trade conversations or to get other quarterbacks to run that type of offense. So that's the first thing, Mike. You know, what are they where do they envision this going? But I think the the want for need for a quarterback is about as high as the the top two teams in the draft for for my money, Mike. Well, and you know the other side of this too we forget about Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor is a great running back. Yes, he is. He had never been injured. had never missed a game or a practice in high school or college. Last year had that ankle injury that plagued him for much of the season. You get him to 100%. You get him running hard. All of a sudden, it becomes a lot easier to play quarterback. I agree with you. It's a 10 for the Colts. They just are, are a little too far down for comfort because yeah. I worry about somebody right. springing ahead of them with the Cardinals and then they're going to have to settle for the fourth guy. They better feel great about four guys because it may be that the fourth guy on their list is the guy that's available for them 
when it's time to make their pick. Yeah, that that that's right. You know, I'd be scared too. You know, and I know there's some other teams here that you know need a quarterback or whatever. But that that's the interesting part with me is what direction do they want to go? And they you know, this is a coach that can make it either way go. Now, listen, what if they wanted to go the drop back quarterback thing? And I expect Stroud to go one, Young to go two. Okay, now they're wanting to go. Damn, we wanted a drop back quarterback. We wanted more of the you know, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis type of guy, right? Do they take them at number four? I think ultimately as we continue to go here, I, I think Levis is going to fall. People, I think people are going to continue to see what, what I saw in, on film, and he won't be, you know, a top five pick. First rounder, sure. But, you know, you might be able to get a Hendon Hooker or Will Levis a little later. You know, to where if you're at four, you could go, okay, maybe we could trade down, you know, or do you not take that risk? I don't know. I'm just, again, throwing food for thought out there to have a conversation because there's some options, and it's kind of interesting when you kind of unpack it here early on in this draft process. And here's where we cannot ignore the owner factor because we already know that there's an impatience that Jim Irsay has manifested by firing Frank Reich during the season, insisting on hiring Jeff Saturday, and seemingly trying to come up with any excuse he could to give Jeff Saturday the job. And fortunately for the franchise, not ultimately doing it. But, you know, at the introductory press conference for the new head coach, Shane Steichen, Ursay blurted out how much he likes the Alabama quarterback. So we talk about the Cardinals trading out to number three. It may be as simple as the Cardinals saying to the Colts, we're going to trade with someone else if you don't come up to three sure and it's going to be one of those guys it's going to be stroud it's going to be young it's going to be richardson going to the colts whoever's left and at this point presumably it would be richardson which could be the best possible outcome chris could be because as i was saying yesterday i know or the other day whatever day it was they're all blending together you say superstar potential if i'm the coach or the gm i have to balance it because if it blows up i may not be there to draft the next quarterback if i'm the owner i say let's do it because if it doesn't work out, I'll draft a new quarterback when this one fizzles out. Yeah, no, and and I think, listen, Richardson, as we talked about, is raw, but there's so many positive things, and he's not as raw as I thought. Like to, you know, I, I don't think he's as raw as Malik Willis was last year, just to give some context to that situation, right? And he's a natural thrower, and he wants to play in the pocket and throw the football that way. He does. He, he's not looking to scramble and run where you're just like, oh, man, that's all he wants to do. He wants to throw and play the position the right way. you know. And, and then, of course, you know, like we talked about, with his ability to run and do all those things, that'll buy him some time to get better in those other departments. you know. And, and then the last piece of the puzzle with a guy like Richardson is really just going to come down to the person. Because like you're talking about, you know, the things you know we've talked about about his skill set and his DNA and whatever else, it, it's all special. We've never seen anybody like this. Never. There's never been Michael Parsons playing quarterback in the NFL. Never. I mean, this is different than even Cam Newton because he's got a, a gear when he runs that Cam Newton didn't have. You know, he can go 70 yards to the house against LSU that's got 4-3 and 4-4 all over the football field. But it's going to come down to the human and just in, hey – you know, do we, is he do we, is he a good kid? Does he work hard? Is he going to do all the little things that it takes to be a really good professional? I've heard nothing but good things along those lines, but that's not what I evaluate off of. I just go off the film. You know that. But if they can be comfortable in that department and know that, hey, this guy's a worker and loves the game, 
then damn, I would take him at four, and I'd go and go, don't worry, we'll fix some of these other things. He'll work at it and get better at it. All right, Seahawks at number five. And yeah. they have, mm. from time to time, confused me. Is Pete Carroll just trying to make it look like he's interested in a quarterback so maybe they could trade out of that spot so you don't have the Raiders at seven or the Falcons at eight thinking, oh, all we have to do is trade up to number six. We don't have to go all the way to number five. Seahawks aren't going to take a quarterback. Maybe they will. The Geno Smith contract makes it very clear it can be as short as a one-year arrangement between Smith and the Seahawks. So where would you put one to ten? How desperate do you believe the Seahawks are or should be to get a quarterback at number five? I I don't think it's like, you know, big desperation here. I'm going to put the number at a five, right? I think the only reason I think even maybe about – making it a bigger number is just for one reason. And I go, well, you're at fifth. You're at the fifth pick of the draft, and, you know, it's it's rare that you're there, and this might be your, you know, only chance here in the next few years to get a quarterback at that spot. But I don't think it's desperation. I don't. I mean, Geno Smith, to me, again, you know, I think we're in cahoots here. He's got big-time talent. I mean, he's got, like, he could be the starting quarterback for the next three to four to five years. He's got that type of talent. They got Drew Locke as a backup. You know, there's a lot of holes on their football team. You know, we all agree it was kind of miraculous how well they did last year to a degree with some of the position, you know, weaknesses they have there. So I'm going to put it at a five. I don't think it's as desperate as Indianapolis there in Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to put it all the way at a three. I think you have to let Geno Smith have his moment. Right. You undermine Geno Smith if you bring in the guy where the question initially becomes, if you take a guy that high in the draft. Yes. Now, I think they're looking to trade down and trade down and trade down and trade down and stockpile draft picks, draft picks, And draft they got picks. the 20th like pick, to Mike, down. too. Let's not forget that. Yeah. If you could get a guy in round two, Maybe will maybe they really like Will Levis and he falls out of round one altogether. But if you have less of an expectation, you get a round one quarterback, there's an expectation he's going to play. You get a top ten quarterback, and then the guy who's currently your starter becomes the placeholder until the fifth overall pick is ready to go. I don't think they want that. They just got out of a situation where the quarterback was too much of a focus of the team. You make the fifth overall pick a quarterback, and all of a sudden the quarterback exactly. becomes the that's, focus. That's that's a team. great way to say it, Mike. Starting you're with right. You're when right. When does he play? And then when he is playing, right. He's your guy. Yeah. I th- so I, I go back to thinking that Pete Carroll is just trying to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you said that was the way to up. say it, Mike. You're right. That they're they don't want to make it all about the quarterback again. They just got out of that disaster. You know, I think that's that's the bottom line. I think that puts the bow on the Seattle conversation. And, yeah, I don't expect them to take a quarterback at five. All right, the Lions at sixth overall with Jared Goff, keeping him longer than we thought they would, probably longer than they thought they would. I thought it was two years and out for Goff. Seems to be the guy. How desperate should they be with the sixth overall pick in looking at a potential replacement? Well, you know, like Seattle, they're interesting in – they have a pick at number six and they have a pick at number 18, right? Where Seattle was five and 20. Now I think I I'm going to put their desperation. I think a little higher than Detroit. I mean, than than the Seahawks one, I'm not, I'm not sold on Jared Goff, maybe as much as everybody else in the world. It's been better. He exceeded expectations. I'm not sure I'm sitting here ready to go. Oh, 
he's the guy and he'll lead you deep into the playoffs and all of that. No, there's he's done a he's done a really good job. But, you know, their team is about, you know, you have to worry about beating them them beating you up in the run game, being physical. They got a great offense. They got, you know, underrated, undervalued skill guys that, you know, are really damn good. You know, he's done well. He's held down the fort. I just don't know if he can ever get you over the hump. I guess that's what I'm saying. So I'm going to put their number. I'm going to put it at like a seven. I am. I'm going to put it at a seven. I, there's a part of me that thinks that was as good as you're ever going to see Jared Goff. It was last year. That, that's where I am in that. And I don't mean to be a hater. That's just my honest evaluation there. You know, but where I think I could be different with them is I think they could go like maybe marquee defensive player at six overall, and then you get down to 20, and like you brought up a little bit, you know, with the Seattle thing, you get down to tw- or, or 18, excuse me, and you go, whoa, Hendon Hooker's here? Or, whoa, Will Levis is here? Maybe that's when you think about pulling the trigger on one of these quarterbacks, but that's my two cents on that, Mike. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it's a tough one. Where they are right now, I – I would give Jared Goff another year. I mean, if I'm making a move, I'm making a move for Lamar Jackson. I'm not making a move for a rookie, especially when you consider by the time they draft, chances are how many guys are going to be gone. The top three are going to be gone by then without question. Maybe a fourth one will be gone by then too. But I, I, I'm going to stick with Goff. I'm going to put it at a low number. I'm going to put it at three just like the Seahawks. Okay. And this is the broader psychology of where the Lions currently are. They're entering the season for the first time since the glory days of Barry Sanders with high expectations. So let's see what the season goes. Let's see. If they fail to live up to the expectations, so what? They at least got to enjoy a year. We're going into it. They have high expectations. Let's see what Jared Goff does. Can he duplicate? Can he find a higher level? And maybe, you know, just like the Seahawks, get a guy later. Maybe get a guy in round two that isn't breathing down Jared Goff's neck. Let him have one more season to cement himself or not, and then you make the decision after that. All right, we have to take a break. Okay. Yeah. Oh. We got two Apologies more teams to, to talk about. You know, like you don't want to ju- jump into the other two teams the next segment at I, all. I do. Yeah. I do. Well, I do. But I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I'm hearing break. Let's break and we'll regroup. Maybe okay. Cool. We will. Cool. When PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle. And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, Chris asked for it, so we're going to do it. We had two teams left in the top ten we didn't get to because we're a little too talkative today. Lack of sleep makes me more talkative, not less talkative. Raiders at seventh overall. How much do they need to draft a quarterback scale oh, 1 to 10? Well, uh, well, I think in the perfect world, the Raiders want a, a young quarterback, but they were stuck in a spot that I don't know if they were going to get their type of quarterback there at pick number seven. And I think that's the big thing. And I know there's, you know, uh, I, you know, I know from people around football, they certainly called around about trading up. You know, I, I think that's pretty widely known there. Um, but I don't think it's desperation. I don't. So I'm, I'm going to put it at like a three or a four. You know, I, I think that they can totally hold down the fort with Jimmy Garoppolo. In some ways, I really think he's better fits in this system and this offense with Josh McDaniels than he does with, with Kyle Shanahan and what he wants. So, you know, I, I think there's that. You know, their team, too, like, like we've talked about with some other teams, hey, they, they got some veteran people on the offensive side of the ball. They're ready to roll right now. They need to use some of these assets high in the draft on the defensive side of the ball. They got no blue chip or very few blue chip players on that side of the ball. Uh, so that's where I'm going to say low, and I, I think they're, you know, for now content with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, I don't imagine them drafting a quarterback at seven. What what number did you? I, I, I think three. I'm going to give it a three. What number did you have? Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Just because Josh McDaniel strikes me as somebody who would take special pride in finding a guy later and developing into something. And this Garoppolo deal, it can be one year, it can be two years. It's a very favorable money for the Raiders. And let's let's not kid ourselves, and hopefully the Raiders won't kid themselves. They're in the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. So let's give it some time. And uh, if it doesn't work, you know, because I also believe Mark Davis is fully committed to keeping Josh McDaniels around as the coach because he doesn't want to pay the buyout, wants to keep him around. Already had the issue where he had to buy out John Gruden when he didn't want to. I think McDaniels is going to get more opportunities, and I think Davis is very self-aware on some things, very self-aware when it comes to where his team currently is. And so I think they have the luxury of time to see what happens with Garoppolo. Don't push it. Like you said, they need help defensively. I think we're on the same page there. Falcons at eighth overall. Desmond Ritter steps in as the starter. Taylor Heineke is the backup. How desperate should they be? Scale of 1 to 10 to get a quarterback in that spot. I, I think it's pretty high. Uh, this is one where, you know, again, I, I know I had the comments and they were a team that I kind of had the ra- on the radar as far as would make sense to go after Lamar Jackson, right? Um, I'm going to put this at like a 9. You know, I, I don't see Desmond Ritter as being the future. And maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, then, you know, I'll take it on the chin and that's it. But I just didn't see enough there last year physically to make me think he can definitely do this. Okay? 
I mean, like that right there, that was a completion, yes, but that was a horrible decision, and the receiver should have been killed, and it should have been intercepted, right? You know, there's just that's where I don't know if I see the potential there. Obviously, Atlanta must see something. But, um, yeah, I look at them as a team that, that needs something. There are signs right now saying it's Desmond Ritter, and they're cool with him and Taylor Heineke. Uh, but, you know, I'd be they'd be another team where if Anthony Richardson was on the – on the the board, I, I would go, wow, man, you want to play smash mouth football and do that type of stuff? And we saw what you had with Marcus Mariota, and here's the perfect guy for that. You know, So that's where I look at it. But, yeah, I'm going to put it high, Mike. I'm going to go nine here. I'm going to agree with you. They need star power. Yeah, they there you to go. fill that stadium. $2 hot dogs isn't going to do it, right? <laughs> They're very famous for their cheap food, which I, I fully respect because I am cheap. But you need to have something to draw people into the stadium to buy the cheap food and beverage and everything else. So, I, I yeah, if Richardson's there, it's walk, don't run. It's don't even take the first 10 seconds of the 10-minute window. I agree with you completely. I just don't think he'll be there at number eight. But uh, they, they need something. And and I don't rule them out. You know, I think this Lamar Jackson thing is going to have life later after on. After the draft. Yeah, okay. I'm just getting a feeling right. that anybody who's going to do it is going to do it after the draft. Think of it this way. If they had done it now – you go to Arizona for the league meetings, and you got to deal with the cold shoulders and the harumphing of the other oligarchs. We get through the draft. Now, I know they meet in May, but it's not the same thing. It's not as long. It's quick in, quick out. It's like a three-day thing when you do the late March meeting, and it just feels like that's a greater atmosphere to be, to be shunned by your colleagues. If you're thinking about doing it, maybe the time to do it is after the draft. Maybe the time to do it is after the May meeting when you know you're not going to see any of these people until October and maybe the dust settles on whoever's pissed off that you did a fully guaranteed contract or a largely fully guaranteed contract for Lamar Jackson. But they need star power, however they get it. So I agree with you. The desperation's there. And if they don't get Anthony Richardson or someone of that ilk in the draft, think seriously about making a run. Hendon Hooker would make sense to them too. I mean, to me, that's the their kind of guy as well, you know. Big, going to stand in the pocket and make throws. There is the, you know, the the value of him running. I know not right away off the ACL, but he he can take it around the edge and run for thirty yards if he's got it. That's not what he wants to do. That's not his his main game there. But you know, I could see that making sense for them as well. You know, the, to me, it's just a big thing. It was where is he going to fall? Where is he going to be viewed ultimately? You know, in the NFL eyes right you know it, it's it's I I feel like the good thing I love about my rankings is I feel like now people are you know maybe call around about him a little bit you're starting to see him more in the first round conversation top 20 pick stuff like that I think ultimately that's where he's gonna be you know but will he be viewed as a top 10 pick where a team like Atlanta would maybe think about that I don't know that's where it's gonna be for me he's worthy of that you know I just don't know if the rest of football sees it that way All right, let's go ahead and take a break. From time to time, we share our own criticisms, along with player criticisms, of the quality of health care in the NFL. There was an example recently of how that health care in the right situation can save lives. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. (laughs) 
My son alerted me last night right after dinner to these tweets from Foster Moreau. Free agent, tight end, four years with the Raiders, visited with the Saints. And during that visit with the Saints, had a very thorough physical, thorough enough to reveal that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's going to step away from football while he takes on the challenge of beating his new opponent of cancer. And kudos to the Saints. This isn't the first time. They've found issues with guys in the past. And as you said last night, Chris, we were texting about this. Some of the physicals are very cursory and perfunctory. And some take a deep dive. And we've we've talked from time to time about Lamar Jackson and his stomach issues. And I've said, man, at some point, give that kid a colonoscopy and make sure he doesn't have Crohn's disease. As somebody who has Crohn's disease, I can relate. Jay Cutler, losing weight. Nobody knew why. Playing for the Broncos. What's going on? Oh, they finally realized. Let's, let's, Let's check his blood and his sugar. Let's check his sugar and his blood, as the case may be. Let's see if he has diabetes. Oh, he does. That explains it. So kudos to the Saints for having the kind of thorough examination of these players. It's good for the team. It's good for the players. It's good for everyone because now Moreau knows he has this disease and he can fight it. And like any type of cancer, the sooner you know about it, the better off you are because the sooner you can fight it. And I say that to anybody out there. Let me just, let me just do a quick PSA. If you have, if you have any symptom, if you have that little nagging feeling that there's something that's not right, but you don't want to find out because you don't have time to deal with it now. You don't want to have to deal. You don't want to hear the C word. You don't want to, you're worried about your insurance. You're worried about this. It's not going to get any better. You're going to have peace of mind if you go get checked out. And if it is what you fear it is, the sooner you know, the better off you're going to be and the greater chance you're going to live to be there for the people who need you. All right. That's the end of my PSA. Yeah, well said. No, that's, that's, that's the truth. You know, I think in, you know, especially in, man world sometimes we're too proud or we just you know oh well i'll be okay and you don't do the the things that your body's telling you to do to get something checked there i mean crazy i mean it's amazing it's sad it's everything this story right here i mean it's it's but thank god they caught it i mean that that's that's the bottom line like you said you know you never like to see this type of story a guy young guy and you know in the prime of his career and now he gets thrown a curveball like this. That's tough. But thank God, you know, they caught this, like you said. And now he's got a, you know, a fighting chance to get after this thing and get ahead of it. But, yeah, you know, I think that's the thing that – because I, I think that's the thing that surprises people, again, about the NFL and a little about, you know, the medical aspect of them where, you know, as I was explaining to you on, on, on text last night with some of the other people that are involved with PFT – not, not all teams do the thorough, you know, exam when, when you get signed by a team or if you made the football team. You know, there's a number of teams where it's just like, hey, let's check your knees, your ankles. Okay, have you ever had a concussion? Any other injuries? Let's check that. Boom, that's it. But then you have other teams who go in depth into more of the, you know, uh, you know the, the heart stuff and a true, thorough, total body health examination. And that sounds like what the Saints do. And because of that, yeah, they're saving people. So, yeah, credit to them for spending a little extra money to do these thorough examinations on all the players that come through their organization. 2017, long snapper John Dornboss found out he had an aortic aneurysm mm. that required open-heart surgery right. when he took a physical with the Saints. So, 
Kudos to the Saints. Although they're doing it for their own purposes because they're making significant financial investments, it's still something that has a clear collateral benefit to the individual. Treating players like patients, making sure you are getting someone who is fully healthy for your purposes and for their purposes as well. So good for the Saints. We can only wish that more teams would do the same. Hopefully this inspires them to follow suit. We're going to take a break. When we return, a very rare morning show mailbag here on PFT Live. We'll answer the best questions that showed up and maybe some of the worst when PFT Live continues right after this. The thing I want to say is this. I heard from a lot of people yesterday who both enjoyed I worked for Kentucky Fried Chicken Here was the grossest part, and I say this knowing full well that there are people out there enjoying their breakfast and were completely revulsed and disgusted. It was called cracking the chicken, and here's what you had to do. You had to twist the tail off. There was a big, nasty flap of fat between the thigh pieces that you had to pull out by hand. You had to physically take the thigh piece, spine, cut spine of the chicken against your hand. But here's our chickens. Barred Plymouth Rock chickens. This is daffodil. You had to crack the bones, physically crack the bones so it would all open up. I'm not going to be getting an appetite for KFC anytime soon after that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was really bad. That, that was. was wrong. That was good we and bad. video. Don't mess with my daffodil Chris's chicken. Chris's favorite chicken. <laughs> yeah. Before seriously. daffodil was dragged into the woods by a fox and eaten alive. <laughs> what a shame. I'm sorry. We did have sorry, one dragged into the woods uh, recently uh, by a fox. We did. So I know. We, we lost. Oh, you knew. I know. Okay. I wasn't I sure if I told you. I said you. it. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't her though. Yeah, you told me. She's That's too smart. Said. She's I'm not too... that prescient. Okay, yeah. She's all she's too smart, that one that we showed on the screen there, Daffodil. Uh but yeah, it's always a shame when you lose one. And, and it happens, Mike, because I we went away, right? We still let the chickens free range the the yard. You know, we have some people that, you know, come by and take care of them and make sure there's some food and water and proper spots and some of the other animals. But the fact that we put our dog away that lets the fox come and play because now when we don't have Bentley, my German shepherd running around the yard, you know, every now and then just to pee and go to the bathroom here or there, they get the guts to run on the yard again. And every time we go away and put the dog away, we lose one. So basically the door to the free range swings both ways. It, free it does range for the chickens. Free range for the chicken predators. Exactly right. That's why, you know, the 90-pound German Shepherd is very, very important to the survival of the chickens' lives, for sure. <laughs> and I assume even if the dog's not around, the scent's there. We know how these animals are. That's right. Scents. They smell yes. the dog, and so they don't want to take any chances. Exactly. The big German Shepherd's going to come barreling out of nowhere to tear the fox to shreds. All right, let's exactly. get to the questions. Yeah. At football, and, and again, condolences on your... Yeah, thank you. You seem so distraught uh, about it. Yes. (laughs) Well, well, hopefully the Fox enjoyed it. Yeah. At football guy NFL, will you have the better who will? Let me try that again. At football guy NFL, who will have the better year after a rough 2022 season? Deshaun Watson of the Browns or Russell Wilson of the Broncos? I know my answer, Chris. What's go ahead? Give me your answer. Let me hear it. It's Deshaun Watson. I bet Deshaun Watson at least has a reason for last year. He had a rough year because he missed 11 games due to a suspension. When he came back, he hadn't played football in a long time. He was starting to show some flashes as the year went on. I, I expect him, relative to last year, to be better 
a bigger gap, a bigger difference than what we're going to see from Russell Wilson pre-Sean Payton and post-Sean Payton. I mean, I think Russell Wilson will be better. He yeah. can't be much worse. Right. But I think we're going to see a more dramatic difference for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough one because I do – I mean, the Sean Payton factor makes me, you know, believe in Russell Wilson's turnaround. But, but I think I lean more in your direction. You know, one, just – you said it all the right things there. He hasn't played. He didn't get to practice a ton. You know, he's going to get a full off season. He's going to get all the reps. He'll get preseason. And and before all this stuff happened, Deshaun Watson was definitely one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, definitely. Superstar. I mean, so I, I expect, yeah, I'm with you, that he gets close to regaining that type of, you know, uh, level of play on a game-by-game basis and kind of jumps back into that top five, top six quarterbacks in football combo. All right, next one. PMG UK Colt. If another team signs Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet and Lamar publicly comes out and says he doesn't want to play for the Ravens anymore and he wants to play for that team, would that be enough for the Ravens not to match? What else would it take for them not to match and what could Lamar do? Let me let me take a crack at yeah, this Yeah, please do. I don't think anything Lamar says publicly is going to matter. I think the Ravens will exercise their right to match if they choose to do so. Now, could it lay the foundation for a trade? That's the one thing we don't talk about enough here. If Lamar finds a team he really wants to play for, and that team is ready to acquire his rights, right? would Lamar have a conversation with Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, Steve Bishotti, and say, look, it's time for me to move on. I would really appreciate this. Can the two teams work out something? I'm ready to sign with this team. Instead of playing the match or don't match game, that's the one thing that we have to factor in, the possibility of a team getting together with the Ravens off the grid, behind the scenes, working it all out, buttoning it all up, and we just find out about it after it's done. Lamar Jackson's been traded by the Ravens to this team, that team, whatever team. So if he truly doesn't want to be there, he needs to say it privately first because that may be the path to working out a trade and everybody moving on. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it doesn't feel like we're at that point yet. I'm sure he's frustrated with the Ravens, but – I think that probably goes both ways. You know, I'm sure the Ravens, if not, might be more frustrated with him. You know, so uh, I guess if it got to that point and he was just like, no, I don't want to play for you, Ravens, any of that, I don't want to do it, then, yeah, they'd move on. But that's, again, that goes into like what we were talking about last last segment a little bit. If that's the case or whatever – then, you know, they got to get this done before the draft and so they can uh, kind of evaluate what they're going to try to do at the quarterback position to replace, you know, Lamar Lamar Jackson. I know they have Tyler Huntley, but you at least want to give them the option to think about maybe drafting one of these guys for the future of their team. All right, Matt Yvonne has an important question because it's got some news embedded in it. What are the chances that the pro- proposal for make – Making nothing the passer, I mean roughing the passer, a reviewable call will actually pass. Do you think this will be a topic of conversation on Friday's competition committee meeting? And this relates to something we posted last night. Friday at 10.30 a.m., the league is going to conduct the annual conference call where Rich McKay, the chair of the competition committee, goes over the proposals being made by the committee to ownership next week. They already released, and they did it the first day of free agency. They knew what they were doing. They put minimum emphasis on the team proposals. One of the team proposals is to make roughing slash nothing the passer reviewable. 
I don't think it's got a chance at prevailing. It's not a competition committee proposal. They are minimizing the significance of the proposals by the teams. Any team can make any proposal they want. If the competition committee isn't on board with it, it's not going to happen. And, Chris, I continue to go back to what Troy Vincent said last year. The football games on TV aren't going to be watched by the same number of people if the quarterbacks are injured. They are unreasonably protecting quarterbacks by welcoming this reality where the officials err on the side of throwing the flag and just deal with it. When in doubt, whip it out. That was the, that's well, I'm paraphrasing the rule book, but that's, that's the rule. Yeah. If there's any doubt, you throw the flag. Right. And, Until the uh, playoffs though. And then it didn't that, matter. Then that went out the window, which is again, well, annoying. It's, it's, they don't care then, but, but well, will it, but will it after the Brock Purdy, thing and we're down to no quarterbacks i think they're going to be even more intent on on protecting the quarterbacks every step of the way so i think that nothing's changing about roughing the passer nothing at all no i i don't disagree i i don't if it change you know maybe they'll try to put an emphasis on hey like if the guy's pinky touches the guys that's not a forcible blow to the head that's that but yeah i'm with you they're too worried about the look and the money and everything else but uh yeah i don't i don't like the rule we, we, we got to go. Our last segment's going to be 10 seconds long. Fine. We'll be back with that final segment, which may be 30 seconds long when PFG Live continues right after this. All right, very important question that we didn't get to last segment. We have to get to it now. Fion NC198. Hi, Mike. Thoughts on pineapple on pizza? I've never had pineapple on pizza, but... I love grilled pineapple. I love cooked pineapple, not like cooked down to goo, but I like I like when it's you know it's got the grill marks on it and it's got that that smoky taste to it. And I love pizza as evidenced by the fact that I eat it every meal of every day if I, or I would if I could. I don't quite, but at least I have a piece every day. Yeah, I'll do pineapple on pizza. I got no problem with it, Chris. I'm shocked that you haven't done it already. I really am. I mean, it it seems to be pretty popular. It's not for me. I know that. That ain't happening. It's either pepperoni, bacon, or sausage on cheese, and that's it. That's where the line ends for me. I like mushrooms. I like onions. I like olives. But, yeah, pepperoni's got to be the foundation. All right, that's it. See you tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.